This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Everything Tom and myself have been up to Monday, January the 16th. Richard is down the road at the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week. The big, well, it's not one forum, it is a series of forums and summits that's taking place this week in the capital. And that is where we started the show this morning, with a number of green energy headlines that have been coming out of the UAE and beyond. Finding out what the transition means for our economy, with Chief Economist of Emirates MBD, Khadija Hack. We've also been having a look at changes to the UAE commercial transactions law, one of which involves dropping the legal age that one can own a business here in the UAE from 21 to 18 years old. We've been hearing from a lot of entrepreneurs and startup businesses that we speak to on the Business Breakfast about what their founders did in their teens. Were they the sort of people who set up their own businesses, I don't know, washing cars, walking the neighbour's dogs? Not surprisingly, they were everything from toasted sandwiches to laundromats. Listen to hear what some of our business leaders did when they were at school. We've also been having a look at that high-level state visit from South Korea, the South Korean president in the UAE, and the business and trade ties that have come out of that. That's been with an expert in Korean policy and investment from the Council of Foreign Relations joining us from Washington, Scott Snyder. What else has been going on this morning? Well, one of the other big names that we've been speaking to on the Business Breakfast has been the boss of the DMCC. They've just reported their busiest ever year in terms of new commercial licences, new companies moving into the free zone. We spoke to Ahmed bin Salam, the Executive Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the DMCC. It's just Brandy and Tom here today. Brandy, where Richard? Uh, Richard is in Abu Dhabi. He's down there for Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week, a huge amount of forums and events um, and prizes, actually. The uh, Zion Sustainability Prize will be awarded as part of ADSW. We've also got big green energy finance forums uh, those coming on the back of John Kerry's uh, comments in Abu Dhabi this weekend about not enough money globally going into the transition to clean fuels there's a green hydrogen summit huge amount going on so we have been getting the economist view on this this morning for we are the business breakfast asking Katija Hack of Emirates NBD what the green energy position transition means for the UAE economy where are the opportunities and the big challenges for us The UAE and the rest of the GCC will always be important players in the global energy story. Even as the transition away from hydrocarbons continues, there will still be a need for oil and gas energy, however, and the UAE provides a secure and reliable supply of this energy. At the same time, the UAE is itself investing in clean energy sources for its own domestic needs, with significant investment in solar, nuclear and hydrogen power. It's also developing technology that will help it produce oil and gas in a much cleaner way. Now, of course, Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week has sort of an extra force driving it, if you like, this year, because it's happening in the run-up to COP28, the massive UN climate change summit that will also take place in the country. And we asked Khatija as well, what does that mean for the UAE? Everything from positioning on the global stage to potentially tourism. 
The UAE will certainly benefit from hosting COP28 later this year. We saw during Expo 2020 how much Dubai's economy received a boost from economic activity with a number of investors um, and other participants coming in for the event. And the COP28 conference will probably again draw visitors to the UAE and boost the uh, tourism and hospitality sector. More than that, however, hosting the climate change conference will encourage private sector involvement and new initiatives can be expected by many companies in the run-up to the event. So that is Katija Hack, Chief Economist of Emirates MBD. Richards is not the only high-profile visit to Abu Dhabi, however, because we also have the South Korean president. We do indeed. Yeah, the South Korean leader, Yoon Suk-yeol, uh, is in the UAE, arrived yesterday uh, with a high delegation, hit the floor running, uh, talking about all things uh, relationships, uh, long-going relationships between South Korea and the UAE. Uh, 50% of oil uh, into South Korea comes from the UAE, but it is a bilateral relationship there. Um, a lot of uh, South Korean uh, uh, exports coming into the UAE as well, none more so than talent, human talent. Uh, and we think of the joint venture between the UAE and South Korea that helped to build uh, the nuclear energy structure here in the UAE. And we'll be looking at how much further that relationship could go, particularly, again, in the run-up to coppers. Tom mentioned there, um, the clean energy ties. We are going to be speaking to Scott Snyder. He's the Senior Fellow for Korea Studies at the Council of Foreign Relations, um, and he looks at Korea's economic and other relationships with countries around the world. Big announcement from Dubai Culture over the weekend as well. They've announced their biggest project to date, uh, the Dubai Public art campaign which aims to transform the city into an open art gallery. Uh, Two million dirham public art programme is going to see the city's open spaces filled with an array of sculptures, installations and murals. Even better Dubai, a public art will also see Dubai Culture and Art Dubai collaborate with local artists to enhance and enrich Dubai's visual culture. Uh, we're not immune to this at the moment. We have no shortage of public art pieces uh, around the city as well. Are you a fan of the big mural on the wall whilst driving around town? I am. I like them very much. I like what they've done down Jumeirah Beach Road. And of course, you've got everything, as you say, um, that is uh, happening um, down in, in some of the areas as well. I've always wondered who actually owns the buildings and the and the houses. Do you, I don't know, did you get permission? I presumably you get permission for someone to, to paint on your house. Is it adding to the value? I suggest it probably is. Probably, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, how long these things last for remains to be seen as well. But yeah, we're seeing it a lot down, and uh, as you said, um, uh, Jumeirah Beach Road, also down by the World Trade Centre. There's some big uh, developments down there, and obviously that's what's the prompted. street I still want to call Aldiafa because I've been here for a long time, but no longer is. Yeah, the the, the nice thing about this new campaign is they have opened. Uh, uh, it's an open call for submissions as well. So if you fancy yourself as a bit of a graffiti artist, if you fancy yourself as a bit of uh, an artist. Uh, one way or another, then you can submit uh, your entries, if you like, with a chance uh, to get involved in the campaign. So uh, Dubai Culture making headlines over the course of this weekend. We've also been looking on the business breakfast this morning at a change to the UAE business ownership law. Uh, the legal age of starting a business here in the UAE has dropped to 18 years old. We've been reaching out to a number of 
startups that we speak to on the Business Breakfast to find out who tapped their inner Richard Branson early and what advice they might have for other business startups, particularly young ones here in the UAE. What advice would they give their inner 18-year-old? One of those was Bernard Diffley. You may have heard his voice on the Business Breakfast before. Um, He was an Emirates pilot um, who was made redundant at the beginning of COVID and started up a maintenance company. That startup over the last couple of years has now become quite a serious renovation and fit-out company. It's got um, its first round of outside investor money. But we asked Bernard, did you have a side hustle when you were at school? Did you have an 18-year-old business? The first business venture uh, I was in was making toasted sandwiches in boarding school when I was a teenager. Um, Toasted cheese sandwiches, which were a big hit. I sold them for a pound and I got shut down because I didn't take into consideration the fact that the smell of the toasted sandwiches, although it made everybody very hungry and was good for business, also alerted the authorities and uh, they shut me down. So there you go, from toasted sandwiches to renovating villas. Uh, Daniel Waynes is another startup we've spoken to on the Business Breakfast before. They started Carney Store a couple of years ago. Uh, they smoke brisket, ribs and the rest of it, do a lot of um, delivery food. Uh, we said to Daniel, what were you doing business-wise when you were a youngster? So when I was 17, I started a CD-ROM burning business, basically making mixed CDs for other kids in my high school. And for any Gen Zers out there who don't really know what a CD is, it stands for Compact Disc. It's a round plastic object that looks like a two-dimensional UFO that those of us in the 90s who grew up in the 90s would put into a CD player so that we could listen to music. So I started this business and it took off, and I learned at the time the importance of word-of-mouth marketing. You know, word spread quickly about what I was doing, and I started to get a lot of business. And it was great from there until a few months later when I learned another quite painful aspect of business, which is the threat of competition in such a low barrier to entry business such as creating CDs. So I was quickly put out of business by competition, which is why I always advise people, don't put all your life savings into a new business. Another Business Breakfast regular guest who learned about competition the hard way and indeed started business an awful lot earlier than most of us were thinking about making money is Luke James, the general manager of Hyde Hotel. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, that UAE's dropped the age to 18. I think some of the best ideas are born uh, when you were young. And I remember at the age of 15, I bought a laundromat with my savings from from working at a local golf club since I was 12. And nothing better than the anticipation I felt riding my bike to the laundromat after a few days of rain and opening those dry uh, drawers where the the cash went into and the rattle of the dollar coins. Um, I'll never forget it. And it taught me so much. I had it for a few years, but... Unfortunately, a white goods store called The Good Guys opened in my area and slashed the cost of white goods. So uh, everybody then got a drive. But it was a great few years and it taught me so much. It's a good life lesson that, you know, for all those that are listening out, all your 16 year olds, 70 year olds, 80 year olds wanting to set up your own business. Yeah, I wanna, you want to be an influencer, want to be a social media star. Just buy a laundromat, mate. It's the way to do it, isn't it? Look, it wasn't what I was thinking of as as 15, but yeah, learning the value early. Dirty dirty laundry, dirty linen. You know, everyone's got to wash it at some point, haven't they? (laughs) This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Let's look in more detail at that state visit to the UAE, the South Korean president, President Yoon, in the capital. What are the economic implications? We're very pleased to be joined now by Scott Snyder, who's the Senior Fellow for Career Studies and Director of the Programme of US-Korea 
Policy at the Council on Foreign Relations. He joins us this morning from Washington. Scott, it's lovely to speak to you. Thank you for your time. Sure, glad to join you. Tell me, what do the economic ties between the UAE and South Korea look like? What foundations were already in place for this visit? I think the most significant and long-standing project has really been the nuclear uh, energy investment um, uh, with the building of uh, South Korean model reactors in the UAE. Uh, But uh, South Korea also is an importer of natural gas and oil as well from the Middle East. How much further could you see those ties going? Let's start on the clean energy front with COP28 coming up. Where else could we collaborate? Well, South Korea is really trying to boost its uh, renewables production. Uh, And so uh, I think that is an area that is outlined in South Korea's national energy plan uh, as they try to uh, wean themselves from some of the hydrocarbons. Uh, And uh, there are a number of uh, South Korean uh, conglomerates that uh, have had uh, ties uh, with the Middle East in some of these areas. Uh, let's talk about um, those ties. We've had the UAE pledging to invest $30 billion in South Korean industries. Um, what do we know about where or what would seem the most likely areas for you? Uh, it's probably going to be in the energy uh, sector, but I think that uh, there are also a wide range of uh, technology uh, areas that uh, South Korea is working in. Uh, they've been doing uh, significant uh, work in terms of trying to develop a, an, an electric vehicle uh, production capability. Uh, they're exploring um, uh, energy production and hydrogen, a lot of experimental uh, uh, work in that area. And we know this is happening largely through sovereign wealth funds, such as Mabadala. So could that involve taking stakes in South Korean companies? I'm sure that there will be uh, interest uh, in South Korea in uh, gaining uh, different types of uh, investment instruments to try to build some of these uh, sectors. Um, I I don't know the specifics of what that might look like. So what would you want to know next as a a South Korea watcher? What detail would you like to learn on the back of this visit? I think that what South Korea hopes to do uh, is to use this relationship with the UAE as a way of, um, as a bridgehead uh, for further expansion of um, uh, relations uh, in the Middle East and also as a way of uh, advertising uh, South Korea's uh, technology prowess uh, and its advancement uh, as a global player uh, in some of these key areas. Uh, and in particular to try to build out uh, the image that President Yoon has tried to put forward of South Korea as a quote-unquote global pivotal state. Uh, And so building out uh, South Korean expertise in uh, the nuclear area now as a model uh, for possible export of plants to other um, countries, uh, and also Uh, leveraging South Korea's progress in terms of being able to capture uh, the defense export market, I think also is another area that uh, stands out uh, and and is a significant interest uh, to the UN administration. And the strategic gains for the UAE along the same lines? Well, I think that for the UAE, uh, it's going to be about uh, having a reliable partner uh, that is working uh, at the top echelons of technology development uh, and uh, that would be a reliable um, 
place uh, to generate returns on investment, uh, and particularly as uh, South Korea tries to uh, really expand its global brand uh, in some of these key technology areas. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I was about to say this morning, this evening for you, Scott Snyder, speaking to us live from Washington, Senior Fellow for Korea Studies and Director of the Programme on US-Korea Policy from the Council of Foreign Relations. We appreciate your time this morning. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Today sees the start of the World Future Energy Summit, the world's leading business event for future energy and sustainability. It's been going for the last 14 years. It's grown into a global hub for business, innovation and knowledge exchange. And as I said there, it does um, take place at the very heart of Abu Dhabi's Sustainability Week over the course of the next five days. Uh, That wouldn't have been possible without the support of Mazda, uh, who, of course, will be busy, busy, busy throughout the course, not just of today, but this week. Their Director of Growth at Mazda City is Steve Severance, who's taken time out of a busy schedule to speak to us here on the Business Breakfast this morning. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. No, great to have you on board, and especially on what is going to be a really busy week for you and all the team at Mazda City. I say a busy week, as folks, this is the culmination of what has been a busy 11, 12 months for you building up to this. Uh, it really has been, but honestly, it's almost a kickoff to a busy year because we see with COP28 coming to the UAE that this is going to be a year that uh, a lot of people want to be want to come get involved with Mastar that are looking for ways to kickstart their sustainability uh, initiatives that maybe even been on the fence and say how do I you know how does my country how does my company uh, come get involved in this we know what's going we know the world has committed to carbon neutrality by 2050. And I think that that global commitment has been such a such a sea change over the past 13 years that I've been at Mastar and been attending, uh, you know, the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week. So this is really a showcase for us and an opportunity to engage with people who maybe I haven't thought about us for a little bit and and just I would say come and see Mastar again for the first time. That's a really interesting point you make there, yeah, because a lot of the conversations this year at WFES will be about COP28 a little later on this year. Um, Do you feel that a lot of people will be using the opportunity this week to build their get delegations, what they want to be heard and said at COP28 later on this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, sustainability has been our lifeline, our our lifeblood since since we've started Mazda 16 years ago. But along the way, uh, the the countries come along, the regions come along, uh, and, and companies around the world have come along. So when you look at uh, you know agreements that we're going to sign this week, and this is just Mazda City, our Mazda clean energy business will be signing uh, many more and, and talking about deals around the world to install renewable energy. But we're signing deals with Amazon Web Services, with Hub 71, with uh, the Mohammed bin Zayed University for Artificial Intelligence, uh, and with Abu Dhabi Global Markets and with WIO Bank. So strengthening our global and local connections to provide uh, our ecosystem the businesses that are part of us an, an even better experience, better access to capital, better access to um, uh, computing services, better access to the things that are going to help them grow their business. Interesting you mentioned there about the projects that you're currently working on, the deals that will be announced this year. We look at the sort of the backgrounds of those that you just mentioned, education, tech, finance, across a sort of wide range of industries as well. Is that what's key to the sustainability movement at the moment, to make sure that this is something that touches absolutely every business and industry? 
Yeah, I think it absolutely has. It can't be just government-led. It can't be Mazdar-led. Um, when people ask me about how they'll come and ask me about different projects that are going on, either in the UAE or in Saudi or, or globally, they'll say, well, is that a competition to you? I'll say, no, it's proof of concept. It's a demonstration that what we're doing is relevant and real uh, and important for and important and profitable. Uh, and so we want people, we, we want sustainable businesses. We want everyone to jump on this bandwagon because if we're going to hit the goals, the ambitious targets that the, that the UAE has set and that uh, many countries and companies around the world have set, uh, we're going to have to have everyone on board. Every company in the world needs to be a sustainability company. Every government needs to be focused on sustainability. And that's why we're excited to have them here. The people who are most interested in that coming to uh, Abu Dhabi this week uh, and, and coming, and a lot of them will be coming out to Mazdar City. High-profile delegations flying in to Abu Dhabi to be part uh, of World Future Energy Summit uh, and Abu Dhabi Sustainability this week. None more so than the US climate envoy John Kerry, uh, who is great supporter uh, of the energy initiatives here in the region. Uh, he yesterday, Steve, saying that the UAE understands uh, that the way they are tra- transitioning away from gas and oil into the new energy future, uh, talking about and, and praising that transition as well. Uh, are we expecting Expected to see other sort of world leaders come here and acknowledge the work that you at Mazdar City and the UAE as a whole is doing. Uh, absolutely. Each year we've had a significant number of, of world leaders come to Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week, stand on the stage with us, uh, make deals. Uh, honestly, I, I'm not sure exactly how many will be coming. I've heard large numbers. Uh, I think we'll have to wait for the opening ceremony today around 10 o'clock to see some of the pictures that come out of that to see exactly who will be in here, who, who will be here. But I think they'll be coming with the same mindset that John Kerry comes, that they are here because the UAE is 16 years ago with Mazdar, put his first stake in the ground and said, let's make this transition. That hydrocarbons have obviously been very important to the UAE's economy, but the future lies in renewable energy and sustainability. And let's start that here. Steve, just And quick- that's why Mazdar, that's why Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week, to bring the world together toward that agenda. Indeed, it does. Steve, out of time on this occasion, uh, and I know that you've got a busy old day, a busy old agenda ahead of you as well. All the best uh, for this coming week. All the best for 2023, as you rightly say, Steve, is going to be a busy one, uh, not just for Mazda City, but for all those uh, invested in uh, the transition uh, from carbon fuels into cleaner energy. Uh, Steve Severance is the Director of Growth, Mazda City. Mazda City, obviously, one of the key partners uh, of the World Future Energy Summit and Abu Dhabi sustainability week just the highlights this is the bite-sized business breakfast we have the boss of the dmcc in the house at the moment they've reported their best ever year in terms of new company registrations and ahmed bin salam who's the executive chairman and the chief executive of dmcc is with us now ahmed good morning thanks for joining us thank you for having me so let's dive straight into the numbers. You had more than 3,000 new businesses registering with you in 2022, a 23% increase on 2021, which itself was a bit of a record year. What are you putting the increases down to? If you look back in 2020, we were active. We were registering companies in April and May of that uh, year when most of the world was on sh- lockdown. We had uh, increase in business in, the, in our coffee center, and our tea center, the gold refineries were more active, and that's a reflection on Dubai being active 
uh, even though we were we were um, facing a pandemic and all that, but we kept the business moving. Uh, so um, I think uh, DMCC got more exposed. People were looking where to go to next, what's around, and they kept hearing about DMCC. And we were accessible online. You could set up your company 100% online. Um, and I asked one of our members, aren't you afraid you know, of security matters? And they said the security features that DMCC applies is, better, is just as good as if we went in a, uh, ourselves to the, to the, re- to the free zone. Um, we registered in the last two years alone uh, 5,534 5, companies in total. Um, I don't believe any uh, business entity can can apply that. I mean, you go into uh, DMCC today, it's one of the most diverse and active businesses. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm even uh, engaged with multiple social media platforms to give better access as well to the to the businesses we have today. So it's been, uh, we've kept the momentum going despite uh, the changes in the markets. What's happening though on the other side of the balance sheet? As you say, 5,000 new businesses registering. What have we seen in terms of businesses not making it through COVID? What in terms of, of licenses that aren't being renewed or that are being cancelled? That's a good question. I mean, I uh, we found more tech companies being set up. Um, we have over a thousand ag- uh, businesses in the agri, and I feel a part of that is DMCC's focus has been init- in the early stages, and I'm talking about 2003, four, and five has been on the precious metals, gold, diamonds, and colored stones. Um, but in the past few years, we've been focusing on the agri uh, businesses. We have a partnership with Crop Data, which launched Agriota, which connects the farmers in India to the to the uh, uh, to the markets. Um, it's not the best news for the middlemen, but still, it's, it brings efficiency and transparency. Um, and, and we're seeing growth in that. Um, the crypto center gave us a good boost as well. Um, we we we've launched the the crypto center in I believe end of April of 2021. And we represent over 500 companies within the crypto and blockchain uh, part of the uh, business. Um, and, and that touches a bit on the metaverse and some of the metaverses. There's a bit of synergy on the, on the DMCC Gaming Center. One of the reasons I looked, uh, I pushed DMCC to, uh, to go ahead with that. Uh, but are we seeing, I mean, it can't be all to the to the upside. I, I presume, I mean, we were talking this morning about the fact that I think it was one in three new businesses do do fail. Yes. Um, what are you seeing in terms of people not just moving in, but also um, maybe not making it to fruition for startups? It depends. Uh, some of them are related to the management. I mean, um, if... I don't, I don't want to move touch on crypto too much, but uh, Binance is still there, is still active. Um, FTX had a different scenario, and that's directly related to how they run it. Um, and and it, it might be also the location. Some parts of the world used to be leading, and today it's struggling. Um, out of respect, I won't mention them, but they were key markets, and some of those markets have moved here. We have an upcoming uh, Color Stones Association uh, uh, event happening, the ICA Congress happening, I believe, February 15th and 16th. And the last time we ha- we hosted that in Dubai was 2000, 2006. So uh, we've... Uh, uh, it's, it's an opportunity with the momentum is on our side and the businesses see that. And, you know, when they look at DMCC and its business community, they understand that we represent about 23,000 businesses and, and they connect with the markets pretty fast. The knowledge series have, uh, have uh, benefited a lot of businesses and we learn from them as well.
Talk to me about what COVID's flexible working and hybrid working has meant for the way businesses are moving into a free zone like DMCC. Is it affecting the amount of floor space that they're taking? I had, I, I actually had, uh, I don't want to, I didn't argue, but I, I disagreed with a friend of mine who thought maybe the future would be people living at home and working from home. And I said, that's impossible, especially if it's a family and all that. People want to get away a little bit, see the office. And uh, I wasn't really worried about the uptown tower. I knew it was going to be a success. We, we've uh, rented out the offices uh, to the businesses, and there's three times the size of the waiting list on it. The Gymnological Institute of America has two floors there, the largest headquarter outside the U.S. Um, the crypto center is expanding into that place, is moving into that place. They've run out of space. The DMCC headquarters there. There are multiple businesses as well over there. Um, so... Uh, uh, luckily, I was right on that argument. Um, but uh, me personally, I, I, I like some of the pandemic scenarios where I could. Uh, there's a hybrid type of conference where you could uh, log in, engage with them on, online. I also host some of my gatherings rather than go out. I still like that. It's very convenient for me. So uh, it depends. But on the business side. Um, I think I think Yahoo, even before the COVID, people were working from home and then the new management, you know, you got to come to the office. I think Elon Musk is also lighting it up uh, with the management of Twitter. So uh, it depends. Depends. You may not need to. A lot of the gaming companies, they do work from home. I know that. I know the uh, Gareth Evans, the uh, head of uh, Ubisoft, Mina, he used to work from JLT uh, from, from his house. And then they've set up in somewhere in Abu Dhabi at, uh, afterwards. What can we extrapolate from these 3,000 new licenses, these 3,000 new businesses registering with you? Do you have a rough percentage idea of which are completely new residents to Dubai or which are people who are already here? I'm, I'm seeing if we can try and have a look at what this means for the population and for the economy. There's, there would be a good percentage of businesses um, setting up uh, separate activities or or, 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 an, or somebody in the family setting up, there, will, there might be a bit of that. But uh, we've looked at that and it's uh, DMCC represents about, I think, 90% new businesses to the United Arab Emirates. And we retain about the same as well. So uh, that that's something I, I check. Ahmed bin Salam is Executive Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the DMCC. He's speaking to us this morning on the back of their best ever year in terms of new company registrations. 3,000 businesses, more than 3,000, registering in 2022, which is itself a 23% increase on 2021. We're going to keep him with us uh, for another 10 minutes or so. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. So we've just been talking uh, about DMCC, the world's flagship free zone and government of Dubai Authority on Commodities, Trade and Enterprise, having a bumper year last year. Um, the boss has been sharing the figures with us. Um, it was a year full of first. It was a year full of announcements, even towards the end of the year as well. One of the last announcements of the year was the launch of the DMCC Gaming Centre in support of the increasingly global, growing global and regional video games industry. Uh, happy to say that Ahmed uh, bin Saleh, the executive chairman, the executive uh, chief executive officer of DMCC, has agreed to stay with us a little longer to discuss this one further. And Ahmed, I mean, I suppose my first question to you is: we often hear that phrase, "fastest growing industry in the world." As a keen gamer yourself, but as a keen observer of the industry, mm. quantify for us just how big an industry has gaming and esports become. 
Well, you just mentioned Saudi investing 6%. Um, if you want to look at uh, uh, a big organization that's, uh, that's going big on the gaming side, it's Microsoft uh, buying Midway, a few of the other gaming producing companies, um, even triggering uh, headlines saying that there could be antitrust, etc. Um, rumors coming up before then that they were buying PlayStation and, you know, that's not the case, but there is a bit of a race. And the concept that the these big uh, gamings are going to move into is something more similar to the streaming of shows like um, Netflix, HBO and all that. So there's a bit of that. But from my perspective and, and my experience, I've, I've, I've met with a few of the gaming player, uh, uh, businesses in, in, in DMCC and in Dubai. Um, and I was looking at pushing for this uh, sometime in early 2020. Mm. I got a bit distracted with what happened <laughs> afterwards. Uh, but one of the comments were, well, we didn't know we would register because we didn't see it in the websites. I'm like, fine, we'll, we'll work on that. What was important for me is what the, uh, the, the advice I got from, uh, from a friend at Ubisoft was focus on the independents, the one that are the new wave of gamers. And, you know, from a person, from me personally, I'm looking at the next uh, wave of ga- uh, creators that would uh, like uh, the creator of Tetris, mm. Minecraft. That's what I'm curious about. Also on the crypto center, from the metaverse side, there is a bit of uh, uh, crossover, if you will, um, like Baby Shark that's sitting up in DMCC, and that's linked up to the gaming side and the cartoon side, which I missed out in my childhood, but but it's a big thing. And uh, I believe there will be a lot coming from South Korea, um, from China. So there is a lot of um, culture that's coming with that. And I do expect some some of that coming from the UAE, which is why we're also c- seriously considering establishing um, Computer Graphic Aca- Academy mm. to to create more talent from here, just like the Dubai Design Academy for jewellery. I find it a really fascinating move. Um, and I, I'm sure that a number of the organisations, the entities would have been attracted by, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the fully digital setup that they could avail of as well. But a lot of people go, hang on, Esports, gaming, a lot of it online, a lot of it digital. Why do they need a centre? Why do they need somewhere where they can immerse, where they can come together? But that was obviously something that you noticed. Well, one of our members, and uh, they approached me at the Diamond Tower, you know, asking if DMCC would help in uh, sharing the news and spreading the news. They had uh, Razor uh, as a minority invest- investor in their company, and their focus is on data and access to, to the mobile industry and all that. I don't know what Razor has in mind, but I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on that. That's just one example. Now, why we represent, I believe, around 80 companies uh, linked mm. to the gaming biz, uh, industry, and that's going to that's gonna grow, obviously, since we've made, it, uh, made DMCC the address for it. Uh, but the fact that uh, there's a community, they feed off each other. Mm. I mean, when, you have the, when we have the Precious Metals Conference, they may be competitors, but they discuss opportunities, challenges, etc. And there are mergers. I mean, Nintendo at one point was supposed to be partnering with Sony. And then they backed off and they did something with Philips or something. Sony felt they could pull it off. And, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, you'll see more and more of that. Because uh, collaboration is key, I suppose, for the business, isn't it? Uh, I think if they share the same uh, philosophy, yes. Yeah. Um, another word that we use a lot here is hub. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously a move like this from you and obviously your support into the esports and gaming certainly puts Dubai, the UAE, as a hub for these industries here. Are we that hub already, do you think? It depends. I mean, 
I, uh, 15 years ago, I've been getting comments that, you know, you're a jewelry hub, you're a diamond hub. I tell them we haven't started. We, we haven't explored this market and that market. And we've, um, we've grown since then. I feel, I feel there's more, more for Dubai to capture. Yeah. Certainly you will with the the implementation of something like the Dubai Gaming Centre as well. Looking at some of the predictions for 23 for the esports industry, mm. Forbes magazine suggesting that one of their predictions is that esports will expand beyond the borders of competition. We've seen budgets tightening for a number of the big companies there as well. We know that esports competitions have been key to marketing that forward. But do you see scope for an expanse away from the competitions into merchandise into other events maybe i mean uh, i i know i know from the founder of bizfluence that he's uh, pushing for more gamification in his social media platform um he's uh, joel is uh, really focused on making it an organic uh, platform a real platform the more you engage with businesses real businesses uh, the more you rewarded the more uh, the more you get uh, i guess uh, exposed etc so so they're working on that they'll be they'll be announcing a few things but um also on dmcc if you looked at our post there are some pictures of uh you know where you could physically train for 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 golf and and you know there are games and there are companies that produce that or so the, the, it could be like a hybrid it's more physical it's not just a joystick or playing on your phone i mean you could get active without out being out in the field and that's better than nothing mm. Another of their predictions is that the metaverse will begin to reach mainstream audiences. They're in thinking that, yeah, I think all of us know about the phrase the metaverse. How many of us really understand the metaverse? Is 23 going to be a big year for the metaverse? It has to be. It has to be. I mean, uh, look at it this way. Uh, there are some, some of the big tech companies that didn't think about being involved in social media platforms jumped onto it because... They have access. They have data. They have network. They have the they have the backing. So Microsoft buys LinkedIn. I think what 2015 or so. Um, Google now is looking at a decentralized or kind of a decentralized social media platform. Um, there is a move away from uh, big tech and all that. So it depends. There's a market for everything. So on the on the gaming side, I I I do see some of the big brands say, thinking, why not us? We could pull this off mm -hmm. as well. But it depends. And the, there's also crypto gaming. You have, uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in discussions with Gala Games, if you've heard of them. I'm discussing with Jason Brinks, who heads the, uh, the blockchain. Yeah. He's the chairman of the blockchain side of it. And um, they're, they're pretty keen on expanding here at some point. At a time on this occasion, we'll get you back in, that's for sure. Just final thoughts from you, 20 seconds or so. 2022 was a big year for DMCC. 23 going to be bigger? I cannot predict numbers, but I can, <laughs> I can assure you I will, I'll be putting and my team will be putting double the effort we did last year. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks so much, Adeem, for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak to us here live in the studio. The Executive Chairman and the Chief Executive Officer of DMCC, Ahmed bin Salem, joining us live in studio. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.